Hey, I'm Amanda from Trifecta Fitness. We're proud to be Clarksville's new Get Fit headquarters. Trifecta Fitness is a state-of-the-art spin and strength training studio. Our spin studio is truly one of a kind in this area, complete with 20 state-of-the-art live fitness bikes and an incredible sound system. Our strength training is done in small groups of six or fewer, and all of our strength and spin classes are scalable for every level of experience. Come see us in the heart of Clarksville, just behind Mapco at the corner of Old Trenton Road and Wilma Rudolph Boulevard. Call us for more info at 931-542. 6265 or download our Trifecta Fitness app for a full list of upcoming classes. In October 2019, Arlington, Texas was chosen to be the home of a new national museum, unlike any other. The National Medal of Honor Museum will be a unique home of military history. The 100,000 square foot museums will house exhibits, archives, and artifacts relating to the 3,500 U.S. troops who have been awarded the medal the nation's highest honor for valor in combat. The museum will have 31,000 square feet of galleries dedicated to U.S. troops who have received the award. The museum CEO, former Navy SEAL and NASA astronaut Chris Cassidy said the museum will focus on education as much as preservation. The building will have five areas dedicated to Medal of Honor winners from the Army, Marine Corps, Navy, Air Force, and Coast Guard. The main gallery will be located in a central plaza under a 25,000 square foot slab of steel which will appear to be suspended in midair. It will be supported by five pillars. Black Rifle Coffee is a corporate sponsor of the museum, as are the Dallas Cowboys. The museum's board also includes over a dozen major corporations and six Medal of Honor recipients, including David Bellavia, Patrick Brady, and Britt Slabinski. Army Staff Sergeant Bellavia was awarded the medal for clearing an entire house by himself on November 10, 2004, as a squad leader in support of Operation Phantom Fury in Fallujah, Iraq. He killed four enemy fighters and wounded a fifth in close quarters battle. Army Major General Brady flew and coordinated the evacuation of 51 seriously wounded men during a firefight in Vietnam in January 1968. Slabinski, a Navy SEAL chief and team leader, led a rescue team of SEALs during Operation Anaconda in Afghanistan in March 2002. Slabinski and his team flew to a mountaintop ambush site to rescue Petty Officer First Class Neil Roberts, who had fallen from the back of a helicopter. Slabinski led the team through almost constant combat against an entrenched Taliban force. Along with the board members, former presidents Jimmy Carter, Bill Clinton, George W. Bush, and Barack Obama serve as honorary directors. The museum is expected to open to the public in late 2024. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back. Fit Nation. We are a show founded by a veteran and hosted by two veterans and a military spouse. Our mission is to get people to tell their story to the world. If you're an author, share your tips with Mr. Hutch. If you're a musician or actor, our audience needs to know how they too can get into the business. Coaches, we love our coaches. Come on and share some of your tips with the Misfit Nation to help them become better versions of themselves. If you're a corporate leader or an entrepreneur, come on and share how you did it and how hard you have fought for success. If you're a veteran, first responder, 
or Gold Star family. We would love to have you come on and just share your story with the Misfit Nation. We always have time for you. If you're feeling down, alone, or starting to see the darkness, stop. Think about those who are around you. You are not alone. You will be missed. If you feel like your problems will be a burden to those in your inner circle or are embarrassed, dial 988. If you are a veteran, take option one. We need you to keep pushing forward. Don't make a permanent solution to a temporary problem. If you're a new listener, welcome to the Misfit Nation. Be sure to subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast apps and also on our YouTube channel at the underscore Misfit Nation. Subscribe and click the bell to keep you up to date with our latest episodes and all of our news. You can also find us on Heroes Media Group and About Face Radio. Now, let's get to the show. All right, all right, all right. Welcome to show number four of our Veterans Week specials this year. This uh, Tonight we have a good one. We know we started out with Joe Malone on Sunday and... Uh, U.S. Navy Officer Teresa Carpenter on Monday, David Willis yesterday from the United States Marine Corps, and tonight we bring the best service back in. Only one for this week with the best service, and he also served in the Big Red One the same time I did. He's a United States Army veteran. Served the Big Red One out of Germany, though, from 2002 to 2005. Got deployed to Tikrit, Iraq with them. Came home for a couple years. uh, Went to Fort Hood, I'm guessing. And uh, 1st Cavalry Division, 2005-2008, wound up in Mosul. And uh, he also served with 1st Armored Division, 2009-2011, also going back to Mosul. So he, he might have had some timeshare there as well. After his military service, he, uh, he attended school, uh, got a sports medicine and an associate's in sport, uh, a BS in sports medicine and an associate's in sports medicine, and is graduate of the EBB UConn School of Business. He also serves as the president of Student Veterans of America at Kaiser University in Tampa, Florida. He is also a veteran treatment court mentor in Tampa, Florida. So without further ado, let's welcome U.S. Army veteran, entrepreneur, motivational speaker, J.R. McIntyre. Welcome, J.R. How you doing, brother? How you doing? Good, good. It's always good to have a big red one brother on here with me because if you want to be one, you want to be the big red one, right? Definitely. You want to be in the big red one, the bro. Yeah. Yes, I was sir. at Fort Riley at the same time you were in uh, you were in Germany though, so you had you got to see some uh, better stuff in Germany than we did at Fort Riley. Yeah, definitely. Germany was um it was amazing too. I'm sure it's a it's a good experience for everyone to get overseas, and Germany's probably uh, tickets to Europe right there, especially at the time you were there is probably a lot cheaper, a lot more uh, freedom of movement at that time as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, it was it was exciting at that age. I was 21, 20, 21, so going oh, there straight from California. Yep. Uh, definitely a 2021, definitely from, from Long Beach to there. It's a way yeah. different world. Oh, man, so, JR, tell us, I gave a you know little snippet about you there, about your military career, about some of your education now on the back end. Tell right. us a little bit about JR before. Uh, tell us as from as far back as you want to go to how you got to the Army. Uh, man, I'm from California. Um, I'm happy to be on this show. Um, Veterans Day is, is this weekend, but Veterans Day for us is every day. You know, we always um, salute the the troops and military service and stuff like that. Um, but um, the JR before the military grew up in California um, around a lot of crazy stuff, you know, um, from Long Beach. So I saw a lot of gang violence, uh, drugs. Uh, my mother, she died of AIDS, like I always tell people. Um, and, you know, 
I wanted to get out of the situation I was in, but I didn't know how. And my dad, he kept telling me like, you're gonna be special, you're gonna be special. And I didn't know what he was talking about until um, he sent me off to the military. He tried to send me to the Navy twice and I failed to test. <laughs> and then I went uh, into the Army. Yeah, then I went into the Army, yeah. So the Army wasn't your first choice, so all right. <laughs> well, there wasn't no choice at all for me, but my father wanted me to do uh, Navy. But then after I got into the Army, the Army saved my life. So um, that was from 2002 when I joined, July 23rd. All right, so long after 9-11, you uh, raised your right hand. So that's that's a, a testament right there, too. Well, you know, I saw what happened. Um, I was holding my, my, my daughter. Shout out to Jaden. She's 23 now, and um, in, in about a month, she'll be 23. But I was holding her and I saw the towers fall and I was like, you know, we got to do something about this. I wasn't patriotic at the time, but I was like, no, nah, this can't be happening where we live at and what's going on. And um, I think it was like eight or nine months after that, I went to basic training and then I was over there in, two, um, in Iraq in 03. Wow. Yeah, so that's pretty yeah. quick. Yeah. Quick turnaround. You, got, yeah, you guys got to Iraq probably, I say November, December is when uh, the rest of the division started coming over because we were already there. Yeah, you guys went north of us. We were in Ramadi. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, I got uh, one seven seven went to Ramadi. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, we need a little boostering there. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what was your MOS? I was a thirteen Fox um, JFO JTAC. Oh. Um, you know, JTAC, we did yeah. a lot of the yeah, we did a lot of the um, you know call up for fire and stuff like that. But um, that first tour, all of us was the same MOS. Um, except if you work in the office, all of us, because we drove from Kuwait to Iraq. So if people remember them chalks that was driving from, we, they flew us to Kuwait and we stayed in Kuwait about 14 to 21 days. And we trained um, reflective fire. Um, we, we did shoot houses. We did everything underneath the sun to train us to try to get ready to go over to stuff that we didn't know what was going on, but um, it got us ready. And then we drove in chalks from Kuwait all the way until, um, Bob Summerall. It's not a mm -hmm. short ride either for those who, those no, who are listening. Like, it's not a short ride. <laughs> it was like 36 hours on like um, route Tampa. We passed all these checkpoints, Baghdad, and Anaconda, and all these places to get to where we we had to go. And, um, you know, it was crazy as a kid seeing that stuff. No doors, sandbags at our feet. Um, and it was crazy just to see all that. The ultimate protection uh, thing there, sandbags or old Kevlar blankets at our feet and on our hip, on our seats that protect right. us we, from everything. <laughs> definitely. We was the original A-team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We used to call it the ghetto armor. We had on our Humvees there. We just found anything we could and welded to a Humvee and say, yeah, we're protecting that. We're good. Man, did you know, you remember that with the metal and stuff? Like, even sometimes we would make the Humvees off balance, but they would give, they would send us spare metal to uh, attach to these um these humvees and um and put the um like a, a big pipe in the middle and we would uh put our 249 on the back with a ratchet strap around us and we turn the corner and we turn it <laughs> yeah yeah my my first mission in ramadi i stood in the back of a, a two-door hummer and i stood just like that with a with a ratchet strap holding that and holding the 249 and yep. just standing back there with no body armor because we didn't really mm -hmm. have any at that time. We just had flak yeah. vests. No and, chicken shield, no nothing. I thought it was cool. I just thought it was a cool ride, and we had right. fun just going downtown. <laughs> <laughs> but, hey, if you look back, it's like, man, that was like, you was playing with fire right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was throwing a lot of dice back then. <laughs> right, definitely, yep. 
And I wasn't a, I wasn't that great of a gambler, but I guess I made it. I guess I must have rolled some uh, snake eyes or, I don't know, or deuces. Uh, I don't know what I did. I made it. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, sir. Yes, yeah, sir. So you have three combat deployments, uh, multiple years in the military. You got the tour. You got the tour Fort Hood. It looks like it went to two units on Fort Hood uh, before it uh, changed over to Cavazos now. And then uh, you, what year did you get out? Well, no, no. So that um, that um, the cavalry division we helped start and ramp that up in Fort Bliss. So that okay, was the fourth brigade. That was part of the Fort Hood division. Fort Bliss never had a combat brigade. We were the first of that strong strong knife village. It was called Long Knife, but we called it Strong Knife because we had we built it from the ground up. Um, we were standing. Um, we were staying in the connexes. We were staying in, in the um, the ones we used to the the KBR gave us in Iraq. They brought it to Texas, and we were staying. That was our division was the connex. It was it oh, wasn't wow. built like it was Bigsfield. It wasn't like it, it is right now. It's a, it's like an oasis there now and on full list. That's all on uh, what used to be just where the Sergeant Majors Academy was. Now it's everything is on that side of Fort Bliss everything. now. So it's a mm -hmm. that yeah, was ADA was ADA was on that side, but when they right, moved Patriot. ADA, they put us there and kept the Sergeant Major Academy, but expanded further back too. Yeah, it, it's pretty big now, and then on where Main Post was, it's like it's still open, but it's like a city. So you yeah, have like yeah. every store possible, and there is a mall and stuff. It's it's a pretty yeah. set up there than most bases in the army. Definitely, it is. Yes, sir. Yep. And did you get out from there? Yeah, so um, from there, um, I did um, two more deployments, and then they sent me to Korea, and I did two years in Korea um, at Camp Casey. It was, uh, I, I believe, they send um, soldiers there to <laughs> to die, but not not physically, mentally. They they sent me there for about two years. Um, the first year, I was the two nine. I was the two nine. Um, um, Ford Observer um, slipped my head. Um, Sergeant First Class over there. But then after that first year, um, they started to transition and bring Sharp into the into the military structure. Um, you know, sexual assault response, all that. So um, my Colonel put me in that class of Sharp. And then after that, the Colonel of the Sharp program saw that I was a good speaker. So they moved me up to division to be the sharp representative for the whole division. So I saw every personnel that was coming in that second year and I would give them a brief, a 15 minute to 30 minute brief before they even go to their units. So you met them at the turtle farm uh, at that time. Yeah. Was it at Camp Stanley or back at Casey at that time? Or at no, Casey? It, was, it, it was Stanley. Yeah, Stanley. Stanley. Yeah, it was December. It was cold. Cold. Yeah, it was real cold. Year we year? Huh? What year were you at Stanley? Eleven. Oh, I just missed it. I was there. I was there eight to ten. So. Eight to ten. Yeah, I was there eleven. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah Stanley yeah. was a different animal. So I did Casey, oh, yeah, Stanley, yeah. Seoul, and uh, Kunsan, my uh, four destinations in Korea. Really? Yeah, it, got me four was, three times. it was very interesting in Korea. So. Yes. Yes. yes it, uh, it's a fishbowl, so you can't really get away with anything. Everyone knows everything you're doing. You flush oh, yeah, wrong, they knew you did it. So they got you. Yeah. And someone's going to tell on you if you do something wrong. In the, in yeah. the curfew, too. So. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. In a little bill right outside of Stanley there. They waited for you to come in late where Mama yeah. San hit you. That's all I can do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then now you're in, uh, in Tampa, Florida. Are you still in Tampa? 
Yeah, I'm in um, I'm in Florida. Yeah, um, I'm in Sarasota actually, and okay. um, I moved to Tampa. Retired from the military in um, Fort Bliss, and I moved to Tampa in 2017 um, with no plan. And um, you know, as a military veteran trying to think what's the next move because um, I didn't say what, before I got out the military medical retired. I had went through a, a couple of inpatients, and then when I got out, they sent me to another inpatient for about 50 some days in um, Tucson for my mental health and TBI and stuff like that to get me back right. Um, it was like starting all over, you know, because we were severely, um, we went through a lot. So if you, you hear me speak, three deployments, one Afghanistan, two as a MIT team, um, about 55 months in combat, trying to act like something is not like okay, but it was something was triggering, but we didn't know what it was because it, we wasn't taught that, right? So um, I had a couple of buddies that got out before me on mental health. And, you know, I heard the chatters of, you know, um, them being weak and everything like that. And I didn't I didn't get into it, but I saw what was going on. But when I started to take care of myself, I said, the men were strong. They set the example for us to try to get our men mental back. So I retired in, um, in Fort Bliss in 2015. And then um, I did all my inpatient. Then I did some outpatient, went through a bunch of therapy, and then I up and left to to to, to Tampa to start a new life. There's a pretty good uh, veteran community in the greater Tampa area too, so hopefully yeah, you're able to like a bunch of them. Definitely. I, well, I left a bunch of good veterans in Texas, and then I met a, a bunch of good veterans in and in Florida. So it's not you can't go too far in Texas without running into a veteran of some conflict or our conflicts. There's, there's yeah, tons exactly. in Texas. Florida yeah, yeah, is the yeah. same way. Yeah. I heard that's one that's, in two. They, they're the one in two, number uh, one in two states that take care of veterans. Number Really good. So. Yeah, and that's, that's why a lot, uh, when they get out of Hood or Bliss or uh, San Antonio or Sam Houston, they'll stay there or yeah. stay in a greater area and try to get those right. GS jobs or contract jobs and just stay there and because they all love it. Definitely. I did a little bit of contracting too. Um, once I got to Florida, um, I did about a, a year and a half, almost two years of contract. I went back to Afghanistan as a as a civilian uh, security contracting. Uh, you know, saw that side, did whips one, um, learned a lot about um, a lot of that stuff. So. And, then, and then you got that taste and said, "I'm good. I'm I'm going home." Yeah, because you know it's um still they they pay you pretty good, but still you away from home. But I I think that if you still had that thirst for the because. Our deployments was rapid deployments back to back. So getting out is like, okay, a year is okay. But after two years go by, it's like, we're, we're not going back over there. You know? So it's like your, your brain, your body still works in a different way. Like I need to get back over there. So I needed to get back over there and leave that stuff there. Definitely leave, leave that ghost behind you and, yeah. and start moving forward with a positive life. It, it seems like you've done that. You, I mean, you're student veterans of America, president at Kaiser university. That's a yeah. that's a pretty big deal because I mean every year they look for new people to do that and you were able to attain that at your school. Yeah, definitely. I wanted to uh, be an example. And when I started school, I started school in 2017. I almost been in school almost 10 years because I'm going to continue with my doctorate. I just um, I graduate uh, next year with my master's. So you know, um, and I and I got my master's not to skip subjects because I had failed in business, but. I, I wanted to to get my mind back. That's why I started school. And then it became addictive. Then it became consistency. Um, how much I can show the veterans that, hey, we are more than just 
um, what you say we were over there, you know. Right. Uh, RR posted here that you saved his life, put you in, put him in your home, taught him yeah. about mental health, got him to Wounded Warrior uh, Care Network program, put yeah. him in college. Thanks to him, thanks to you, he's in medical school now. So I mean, that's an awesome yeah, that's, tribute to you. Yeah, that's one of my that's my best friend. Um, a shout out to Ranger Remy. Uh, we was in Korea together, but uh, he's gonna be a he's um he's on his last leg of medical school. He's on his way to be a doctorate. We 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 inspire nice. each other, so that that's we we got a good niche of friends and that we stay in touch and that we try to keep each other accountable. Keep pumping each other up. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I understand uh, getting addicted to schooling too. So I it took me until my last year in the military, 2015, to get my bachelor's. Okay. So 22 years in the army plus I did three years almost before I went in the army. Right. I played college football, but all I was doing was really playing football and taking course here, course there. And I went in active duty and took me 22 years to finish that bachelor's degree. So right before I retired, I finished my bachelor's. Uh, now I finished my master's after retiring and I'm pursuing my doctorate now as well. Congratulations. And I think that we all should at least try that because, um, you know, a lot of people view us as just uh, hired help or the, the tough, especially the ones that went to combat. And, and and understand they, they think that's all we good at and i wanted to always show a different side of that and, and 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 remind people a lot of warriors are intelligent that's why we warriors too you know what i'm saying yeah exactly yeah <laughs> we got the payment and we made it through there so i mean that's awesome yeah, definitely yeah uh phase q just wrote a uh he's great you're a great human uh you have helped him a lot while he when he lived in florida and thanks to him yeah. he got everything turned around so Another yeah, another testimony. That's one of my kids. Um, I mentor. He's a uh, he's a great human being. Um, he's going to be great when he grows up. Uh, he attached himself to me and myself to him when I was in Riverview. And shout out to Q. That's a man. I got uh, God has plans for him, but I, I I try to be. This is who I am. I give back without no explanation. And um, shout out to Q. Awesome. Awesome. That's, that's amazing. The testimony is coming in for you just on the, com on the comment here. I can see you bowling. Your, your eyes are getting a little welled up there a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah so definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I don't see the death row dying on you no more. So yeah. you get a little, you got emotions now. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Yes, yeah, sir. I've seen you were a mentor with a uh, veteran treatment court too. How'd you get involved with that? Well, I met a colonel that was pushing me through and um, I didn't make it through all the levels because it was very extensive because at the time I was starting my company. But that program right there is a red, very big program around the world. But uh, Tampa has the number one veterans treatment court and it allows veterans to um, once they get into trouble and criminal activities to go through that process and try to get re rehabilitated because some of them go through mental, well, a lot go through mental health and before it's taken care of. They use other routes like alcohol, um, addictions and stuff like that. So this program was created for veterans that go through a hard time in the legal system. And um, shout out to the colonel that he um, he was a, he was a ranger, too, that started that program. And um, I, I seen the link. He's a very good dude. But he they didn't help over thousands of veterans in the, in the Florida area, in the Tampa Bay greater area. And it's a good program, too, that helps veterans like just get through that system and navigate and try to get back on the right route. Yeah, I think it's a it's a testament to what they believe the veteran is, too. And, right. uh, here here in Tennessee, they, they have it right here in Clark. I'm right outside of Fort Campbell here. OK, and I do it. I think, I think it's like a five or six month thing where they do the where they do the veteran treatment court here. And at the end, they have like a graduation where they do a presentation of each person as a, 
a testament to them and their journey from what happened to them, whatever happened to them to get them in that situation to where they are now. And it's, it's awesome definitely. to see them grow that process. Yeah, definitely, man. And then I give them my hats off to them. Even the ones that stay in the, the it's a whole little program that they go through. I think it's like 13 weeks or uh, probably two years that they go through that system, but it helps them. Even they come up with, um, they have ways that they can feed them and provide housing and, and other things for networking systems for these veterans. So it's an awesome program. Definitely is. And uh, yeah, I just hope that uh, no, it's, I think it's supposed to be one time you're allowed to do that. So hopefully they yeah. all grow from it and, and don't uh, fade back into into the darkness and do bad, do the things they thought were helping them in the past because they got triggered, tripped up or something like that and, and can't get back into it, wind up in the system even worse. Definitely. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. So you said you're a constant learner. What's your next big learning initiative? Um, so when I pivoted from, um, you know, failing at my um, my security company that I started, it was it was very big. It was good. Um, I pivoted to motivational speaking um, and then I got my certification um, in speaking. But I've been speaking since I was little. My dad's a pastor and then life coaching. And then um, my next big venture um, is um going to school for my doctorate so um, i'm done with my school in march or april and then i take some time off but i got to get my two letters ready for because they got to accept you into the doctorate programs the dba um you know the business administration and i believe that i can make a change with that and, it, and it's not so much for me but it's so much for veterans that think that they can't improve and then it's for my kids so i can open up doors for them that i didn't have them doors so it's like okay that whatever I'm putting on the table, they can pick up and use at any given time. So that's what I'm looking forward to. I started on um, January 2025. So, um, you know, um, God has a lot of great plans for me and I'm just staying true to who I am. And my gift is opening up doors for me that I, that I couldn't open up. So I'm, I'm excited. That's awesome, man. And you're also showing uh, not just your children, but maybe your nieces and nephews or anyone else that's in your family younger that there is value to education as you move up. You don't need to just stop at either high school or quitting even in high school. You need to keep pushing and keep your brain moving, keep that muscle as much as possible. And I'm glad you touched on that because the brain is a muscle. And I think for like years, I think about for the last probably 20 years, 25 years, people have been preaching that education is nothing. And I think that's false. Um, that's a false rhetoric. I think that we always need to improve. And I think edu education is not about how smart you are. It's consistency, right? So I think to a point to where we got to get away from, oh, education ain't nothing. I can learn that from YouTube too. I, I try to make education look cool. Even looking from who I am, I don't look like the typical person I want to go for a doctorate or has a master's degree or associates of bachelor's, or all these certifications, but I make it look cool to let just kids know, especially the kids that you can continue further your education, learn about it, talk about it, articulate your way, and then your rhetoric changes. Now your thought process has changed, right? Definitely. And um, I always tell people I'm the anti-academic academic as I'm going for my doctorate. Yeah. I'm totally on the other side of what they believe. And my writing is always talked about. And I'm like, man, right. this is me writing. I'm not writing for you. I'm writing what I believe this is. This is what I read. And it's what I, I'm regurgitating how right. it is, not what you wanted to say. So right. my academics is different than yours, professor. And uh, right. it usually gets me in some hot water, but it, it works out at the end. Right, right, definitely. And I love it too. It, um, it constantly pushes me. 
And then I have more to talk about when I'm on the stage and I can uh, articulate my words better. And it flows like water. Like, so when you talk, you know, I'm a motivational speaker. You got to have introduction, body, you know what I'm saying, thesis, all these things. But sometimes people are speaking and they're just speaking. And I think that it has to be always a soft skill and very calculated. Definitely. And there's, there's some people that they go up there with the same canned speech every time. Right. So they're, they'll say the same thing every time they're on that stage. And sometimes they forget who they're talking to. Right. You got to know your they'll audience. Say, like, it, it's like a, you see musicians when they are on, on tour so much, they thank you, Detroit, but they're in Dallas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, had a, we had a speaker here come to a veterans event, and, and he thanked the wrong nonprofit organization. He was there mm -hmm. for one night. He's been on the road so much speaking that he, he just forgot where he was. Right. And I, I believe, too, like um, it has to be a passion. Right. Like so if somebody invites you to do some type of speaking engagement, you know, it's it's a tool for you to learn where you're speaking, the location and then your audience. So like I got invited to go speak at a suicide event, um, prevention uh, for kids. you got to know the audience. you got to know it's delicate. Right. So it's a di it's like trying foods at different restaurants. You got to understand where you about to go. Go. You got to know your menu. You got to know your crowd. You got to know how to talk. And sometimes it's not good to talk a lot. You know, maybe show pictures, maybe in, in, engage the crowd, maybe ask questions, because maybe like if you get there, you got a whole speech. Things have changed. Exactly. One question can change your whole speech. Right. One yep. question can change the whole thing. And, right. and that's when you know if you're a speaker and you're not just a fluff person. Right. You can pivot on that question and wind up with another 30 minute speech that you weren't even planning for. You just get it and do it. And that, right. that shows exactly. a testament to the speaker itself. Yep, exactly. Yep. RR jumped in again. He said, exactly. Show them that becoming a doc, business owner, leader outside the military is possible. Leading by example so our kids can believe generational wellness, not just wealth. And that, that's oh. that's it right there. That Ranger Remy right there, you know what I'm saying? I've seen him do a lot of bunch of awesome things. Him and our um, our other best friend Josh, he was a, a awesome dude. Shout out to Josh, you know he he took his life in um, in Colombia, and um, you know we we honor our veterans on Veterans Day and, and even Memorial Day. But Josh lives in our heart all the time, and he was a first sergeant, um, on his way to be a sergeant major. Got out young, just like us, and when he got out, he just didn't have that. It was attacking so much, but you know, um, we we will continue to live through that situation. So shout out to First Sergeant Josh Brooks, you know. Definitely, definitely. And yeah. they lose a lot you know, when they get out. They um they lose that sense of purpose and they lose yeah. some of them it's the title, some of it's the waking up in the morning and having something to do. I mean, right. I know when I got out, it was like running into a wall that first couple of days that Right. What am I supposed to do with my hands? I don't know what I'm doing. It was like a Talladega right. Nights. What do I do with my hands when I'm talking to you? I don't know because I'm not right. knife handing someone. I'm not yelling at somebody. I'm not doing anything. And then right. you got to find your purpose and find like for you, it's mentoring. It's helping right. others and showing and setting the example. Some others, right. it might be starting a fitness empire. It's something right. they have to have something that makes them makes them tick. And if you don't have that, that's why we lose a lot of our brothers and sisters. Well, I think too, in, in, in um, what's it called, ACAP, that we need to have guys like us, um, preferably at the military's listening, myself to be there and speak on days and, and help these veterans before they transition out the military, understand who they are. Because um, a lot of us, when we got back from deployment, we carried our weapon 24 seven, but we got back and we was home for them two weeks. You'll wake up and start the trip, like where my weapon at? 
And, and I think that's the same concept. Like, okay, you're not getting up to go do PT. You're not leading troops no more. You're not engaged in situations. And a lot of these military veterans were top tier. So when they got out, nobody recognized them. You're not first sergeant this. You're not sergeant major this. You're not staff sergeant this. You're not ranger this. You're not SF. Who are you now? And I think that that's what we need. It's a lot that I want to talk to these guys before transition, but you got to ask, that's the type of questions we ask them. What are you prepared to do now? You know what I'm saying? Because a lot of them led the way for years. And when I get out, they're not the captive of their ship no more. They go home to nothing. They go home to their family, but they have nobody to lead, right? And there's no one to, if they're a high ranking officer, there's no one to drive them anymore. No one like right. that. They have to learn to drive again and take care of themselves. Right. So you got to learn the first name and, and, be be part of a team and just right. try to find someone that is makes you happy working. And I mean, I'm I'm lucky I landed in a pretty good job now where I work with fellow veterans and we train soldiers. So we're still we still get to act like we're in a locker room and do stupid stuff. But yeah, we but we have each other to bounce off of when when we do have those little rocky days and stuff. There you go, you build your little tribe. You know. Yeah, you gotta have your inner circle to make things happy. Right. right. So you, you keep saying you keep reiterating that you, you failed in the business. You didn't fail in business because you only would fail if you don't try. Right. Try. You had it going and it just didn't work. You mean if you failed, you wouldn't be here right now. You would have you would have been you just would have hid yourself away. And you're, by getting back up and moving forward, it shows that you're not a failure. And uh, I just want to let you know that because you kept saying that. As, I don't like hearing that. But it's like, well, Wayne, it's good. You, you, you miss a you miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take. You took a shot. And you were doing right. well. It just it just wasn't the right thing for you. Right, definitely. Well, you know, we jump off the porch not knowing about business or entrepreneurship or as yes. veterans how we're supposed to handle them situations. But I, I and again too, I think that topic needs to come up in ACAP, how to transition and if you're really going to start a business, how's your mental health? Make sure you keep that in check first because when you get out in this entrepreneurship world, it's a cold world. You know, people might say, everybody might say, oh, we love you and we there for you. But when you go through them days where you have nobody, where is everybody, you know? Where is this everybody we're talking yeah. about that's going to be in my circle? Yeah, definitely. That's why you got to have a tribe. And I got a good group of uh, a gentlemen that we check in on each other, pray pray for each other, make sure we're going, doing the right thing and keeping each other accountable. And I think that every military veteran should have their tribe. You know, I, I'm an introvert, but they pull it out of me to say, hey, JR, where's our prayer for today? Or JR, what's going on? Or hey, this is this is what we got going on. So they still need you to call fire for them. So they yeah, need yeah, you definitely. in there. You got to reach back into that 13 Foxma uh, book and say, all right, yeah, we can go with these coordinates today and do this. And let's yeah. rock forward. That was the Bible. You got <laughs> to yeah. Yeah. have your JFO book with you and do that stuff. So they understand and they, they want you still to be there for them. So when they call into you, they know that you're going to send some some good rounds down range for them. Definitely, you got to, yes, sir. Jr., if you could talk to some, say you're talking to a high school tomorrow, you got to give them three bits of advice about what to do next if they if they're thinking about the military. What would you tell them? Um, just make sure they stand up in their calling that that's that the military is for them, and also be assertive. Right, ask a lot of questions, understand what your purpose is. Don't ride nobody's coattail. Be an individual because the military is, is made up of a bunch of leaders. It's not just one leader, right? We got the SAR major of the army, but we have a bunch of SAR majors and a bunch of first sergeants and a bunch of SAR first classes. So be yourself, niche your, niche your, niche your way through, 
and become part of the solution, right? So there's a lot of problems, but a lot of people have a lot of issues, but let's find a solution for situations. And I would tell that young man and that one, that young man and that young woman, just, you know, stay tuned. It's a lot of things that's happening right now, but I would say, hey, go in there, go get your education, learn a lot. Because you, I've met so many people from around the world. The military is like a metropolitan. So a lot of my friends are not where I'm from. Like Ranger Remy's from Puerto Rico. You know what I'm saying? So I at the end of the day, I would have never met him if I never joined the military and know another person like me exists, right, in, in Puerto Rico. But that's him, you know? That's good to have someone in Puerto Rico. Good beaches down there. Good right, place right, to hang out. Yeah, not that you don't have bad beaches where you are right now, but you just yeah. got to like a two-hour flight for you from there, so that's good. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, another thing I think uh, young the youngsters coming out of high school or even college that are thinking about joining the military as a next step, you can explain to – we need to explain to them that they don't have to stay with their first job choice. Right, They can right, change yeah. into something, see something else, say, hey, maybe I should have done that because right, I didn't right. understand that was here and jump into it. You can There's tons of jobs you can do in the military that can really help you on the other side of the fence when you're done. Right, and, and just get that's in. something I don't I think told me yeah just get your foot in just get in get your foot in and then you could transition um and, and find out what's best for you right because maybe infantry coming in or maybe human resources or maybe truck drop that's not for you but once you get in and do your first couple of years and you want to re-enlist re-enlist for something that you want to do now exactly yeah yep hq said there's a couple things never give up on anything and don't be a follower be a leader and work hard that's cute. Yeah. I think you've mentored him a lot. Yes, definitely. <laughs> He's a good kid. Yeah. Awesome. That's great stuff right there. Yeah. Uh, Jared, what's the what's a book that you would recommend to people to read? Um, and if not now, when? And another book is the five levels of leadership. Learn that, understand that, because uh, everybody says I'm a leader, but I don't think they understand the really concept of what that is. And um, you cannot go to Walmart and buy leadership. That's in you. You can't buy Walmart. You can't buy leadership or ambition at Walmart. You develop that leadership skill, that quality. And if you notice when we was in the military, a lot of people were comfortable being specialists. They was E4 mafia. But the ones that, that, that progressed, they was t- taking a step, right? So there's different levels for you and different leaders. leaders. Leadership is very scary because what you say matters and what you say can lead people to drink water or to drown. I think uh, Jocko Willing said it best, uh, ex- extreme ownership as a leader. Yeah, you make a decision, it can cause three people behind you to get hurt or three people behind you to move forward. So whatever you do, it affects others. It's a the trickle down effect or right. the third level effect. So you have to have the extreme ownership. Right. I tell people that all the time too. I said, uh, it's a part of that golden era. I remember when um, my first tour to Iraq and um, my leaders, made us burn feces right so that oh, stuck yeah. with me a lot because that they don't do that no more and they stopped doing that after that because kbr came in and they they you know what i'm saying that was unsanitary but back then we was burning our own poop right but that was the leaders in front of us saying hey you know what you're private you just you, this is your duty right here you got to do that right so you got to take ownership if, if i put you on the wire you got to protect sector if i put you over to burn feces you got to so that's you got to still take that that toll and that leadership to do that, even though it's affecting you. Somebody got to get it done, right? Right. And there's something that, when as a leader, I would never ask my those I was charged with to do anything I wouldn't do. So I I went on every patrol with them. I didn't say, hey, "You go on patrol and stay on the fob here in a 
I'll have lunch for you when you get back. No, I, I was out every day. So. Yeah, <laughs> so right. I learned from from my leaders as a young soldier. Right. You do you lead from the front and then come back and everyone hangs out together and you become a big family. I think that's the best quality of leadership is not do as I say, but as I do, right? So I was that young leader because our way was we were young E5 staff sergeant sergeant first classes. So it was like, if I tell you to run five miles, I'm running with you. I'm not just telling you it, and I'm going to be here at the finish line. Nah, we're going to do land nav together. We're going to run together. We're going to do this PT together. We're going to learn our JFO. We're going to learn our, our car for fire. We're going to learn, um, the, you know, the um, all, all our weapon systems. We're going to learn terrain features, everything. So when we get out there, you trust me and I trust you, right? Because you've been around leaders who say, do as I say. But when when that when you in combat, you, you, you know really who's leader you might you might see an e3 that's operating like he's an e7 because that's a real leader running to the fire instead of hiding behind the truck yeah exactly. i've seen it yeah. seen many times <laughs> yeah me too me too yeah. yeah definitely yeah all right we talked about books we talked about uh three things to say favorite movie of all time uh man i got a lot but um i would say two favorite movies of all time and um it's Tombstone, right? Okay. Um, and Malcolm X, the movie with uh, Denzel Washington. He really played that movie. Like, uh, look past the character and look to see how he played it. And then one more, um, Glory. Glory really stuck oh, yeah. with me. Um, it, it's just the whole movie overall, but just yep. how they, how they, how the actors really perceived it. Man, it was it was really big for me. And I was young, so I chose Glory when I was little. I chose Tombstone when I was little, and I chose Malcolm X. Um, when like right after it came out so and you got two two denzels in there so that's good right oh there. yeah so i love denzel yeah i love denzel yeah. yeah he's a good one right there and yeah. all right now favorite song ah favorite song um i'm a big whitney houston fan and people people know me know me i'm a big whitney <laughs> i would i love whitney to death um i will always love you nice good song yeah good song. she make me cry when i hear her songs <laughs> <laughs> I don't want yeah. you to cry here. No, no, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. No. <laughs> so, JR, how did we get in contact with you to maybe have you come and speak for him or just to talk to you like we did tonight? Oh, man. You know, you can contact me on um, um, on RS2G um, admin. And you can contact me on my Instagram, The Hood Motivator. And I have, I can send you um, one of my capability statements and you can put it out there for them and let them know. And also on LinkedIn to LinkedIn. I have a big platform on LinkedIn and I, I would love to come speak for a lot more of the military um, installations, which I'm lobbying for right now. Um, I'm talking to a couple of SAR majors, so I would love to do that. But that's how you can find me. And other than that, just stay tuned because 2024 is about to be a big year. Um, I speak on everything, everything from um, entrepreneurship to military to depression, to suicide awareness, to PTSD, to combat deployments, to improving the youth, um, to education, academia, everything. So. Awesome. Send me that uh, the cut sheet so I can throw that into the to the audio version tonight before I publish I it. That way, everyone has your information. All right. Uh, yes, sir. Jr. Thanks for taking some of your time tonight to hang out, and everyone yes, on sir. YouTube and on the streaming channels. Thanks for jumping on. Uh, don't forget to like and subscribe us mm -hmm. on. Uh, YouTube, the more you like and subscribe us, the bigger we grow and more more veterans we can help out. So Definitely. thank you all for being here. Definitely. Bye-bye. Have a good night, brother. Yes, sir. Thank you. For every veteran, there is a story. 
a story about a calling to serve, to fight for the freedoms of the American people. And every story has a struggle, a sacrifice, and invisible wounds. Warrior Wads programs help veterans recover from PTSD and invisible wounds through exercise, nutrition, and connecting with other veteran leaders. It is estimated that 22 veterans die each day by suicide and another 30 veterans die each day by substance abuse. These are preventable deaths. Warrior Wad is committed to fighting PTSD through fitness, nutrition, and community. Thanks for checking us out and being a part of the Misfit Nation. Don't forget to visit our website at themisfitnation.com. That's themisfitnation.com. Check out all of our past episodes and get some of that great Misfit Nation gear. As always, be humble, stay hungry, and keep hustling. Because we are Misfit Nation. Misfit Nation. Misfit Nation. Misfit Nation. Misfit Nation.